I hope that over the past few weeks we've been able to at least whet your appetite a little bit on the subject of the Holy Spirit. I hope that we have been able to, I guess, get you at least a little bit damp in the whole idea of getting wet and being saturated and controlled and, and completely influenced by Him. I hope that last week as we talked about the sweetest cocktail on earth, and that being the fruits of the Spirit, that actually comes out of you whenever the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And I hope that, you know, maybe, maybe the whole Holy Spirit mystic side of God thing is a little bit, little bit out there, because for me it is still out there. I don't understand it. I can't put my arms completely around it. And I, I, I guess I've resolved that fact. But I hope, if, if, if nothing else, we've at least encouraged you to think to, to wander, to go in, into a deeper understanding and to, to explore at least a little bit about the Holy Spirit and that you can actually, that, listen, that God actually wants to live inside your life. That's worth thinking about. That's worth pondering. That's worth saying what kind of difference happens in my life when I am so saturated, so intoxicated, that actually God's Spirit is what's controlling my life. He's controlling my attitude. He's controlling my perspective. He's controlling my decisions. Not in some kind of dictator form. Don't take it like that when I say control. But in more of a, of a sweet influence, of a, of a divine influence, of a directional way of life that actually now you are receiving direction from God Himself. That's awesome. And the God that I'm speaking of didn't begin on the day of Pentecost. I said that in the very first message. I say it again today. He didn't begin on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has always been. He is, he is eternal. And there's no beginning. There's no end to Him. In fact, if you have your Bibles, well, just jot this down. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, is one of the very first times we, excuse me, verse 2, is the very first time that we see the Holy Spirit. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. The very first chapter of the very first book, the second verse in that first chapter of the first book, we see the Holy Spirit already working. He's already working on the earth. He's already moving on the earth. He's already in that creation process. Now, something that's really cool is you never see the Holy Spirit go off the scene. He's always working. He's always moving. He's always... He's always performing ministry. He's always working with people. He's always working with His creation. He's always doing this all the way to the end. So now take your Bibles and go to the very last book of the Bible. And again, I've said before, if you find the concordance, that's not the last book. Or maps, that's not the last book. Go to the book of Revelation. Find the book of Revelation. Find the last chapter in the last book of the Bible. And we're going to read from the last really entry of Scripture in the Bible, the, the last exhortation, you might say, in Scripture, uh, before Scripture was closed. So you see Him in the beginning, and we're going to see Him in the end, and you're going to see Him all points in between. And as we think about the end, the book of Revelation, looking to the future, we're living in a time when the Spirit of God is moving. He is moving on the earth. He is working in people's lives. He is influencing them. He is creating that sweet cocktail of the fruits of the Spirit that can come out of you, that Spirit that lives inside of you. And as, as, as He begins to work, we see in, in the book of Revelation chapter 22, we'll be at verse 14 in just a moment, but hang with me just a little bit longer, because here the Holy Spirit is doing something. 
It's what He's doing right up to the very end. The very end of time, this is what we're going to read about, what the Holy Spirit is doing right at the very end. But I want you to just kind of picture this. The Holy Spirit is like bookends. He's in the beginning of time, and He is at the end of time. And He's at all points beyond that too. But we, we, we must understand that the Holy Spirit from day one has been working on the earth. To the very end, He will work on this earth. He will continue to work in people's lives. He does His greatest work in people's lives. He doesn't so much possess facilities. There was a time that He was in the temple, He was in the Holy of Holies. There was all that time that that really the presence of God was most known there. But He actually indwells us. And that's the thing that I just hope that we can just begin to to understand and and to put our arms around today. Um, Have you ever been invited to a party uh, kind of get that invitation in the mail or email or however you get it, a phone call, and you really don't want to go. But you don't have a reason to go. Not, I mean, you don't have a reason not to go. And you work out all, all, everything you can in your mind to figure out how you're not going to go to this party, to this gig, to this get-together, to this whatever it is. And you think of it all through your mind. But if you're a real honest person, you just can't come up with a good excuse. And you can't just say, you know what, I just don't want to go to your party. Because that just doesn't fly well in that relationship or any relationship. So what are you going to do? How are you going to get out of that situation? And again, I see several of y'all smiling as if you've been there. You know what I'm talking about. You've been invited to something that you really don't want to go to. All right? Well, let me tell you a true story. I'm assuming it's true. I heard it was true, and so I'm assuming it was true. uh, That this uh, pastor was trying to live as moral and ethically as he could with utmost integrity. And it wasn't me. It wasn't me. But he was doing this. He was invited to this function. I don't know what the function was. But he couldn't think of an excuse of why he couldn't go to this function other than he didn't want to go to the function. So what he did is he, he went into the freezer uh, of, his, of his house and pulled out some frozen, frozen fish sticks. He went back and he laid down in bed. And he told his wife to call the people and that he was going to be in bed throwing up his food, all right? That's where he was. He was in bed throwing up his food. And so we would not be able to come to the party. Now, that's a lame excuse, but it worked for him, okay? I'm not trying to give you an idea, but if you ever invite me to something and I'm in bed throwing up my food, then you might think second about that. Well, you've, been, you've been invited to a party and you probably don't want to go to that party, but have you ever, have you ever had a party going on and you weren't invited? Huh? Anybody raise your hand. I, I, I can raise my hand on that one. You know, there'll be times that there'll be a party going on down the street, and I'm thinking, Lord, did you get that invitation? Because I didn't. I would like to go down there. I would like to hang out with them. I would like to get to know them. But they didn't invite me. And it's really hard. I'm not one person who's going to impose myself on that party, on that, on that get-together. Well, let me tell you, that you have been invited. In fact, let me be the ambassador today to you. The ambassador to this party the ambassador to this gig, this ambassador to this relationship, that you have been invited, and I will show you the invitation because it's the final invitation in Scripture today. You have been invited to be in a relationship with God. A relationship that will change your life, revolutionize your life, because the Spirit of God will come and live inside of you. It's an awesome relationship, and it's one that you don't want to turn down. Revelation chapter 22 Verse 14 is where we're going to begin reading today. Verse 14 says this, Blessed are those 
who wash their robes. Now, just interesting thing that there are six beatitudes, excuse me, or blessings that are spoken in the book of Revelation. This is the last one of them. I won't go through all of them today. It's irrelevant to this message. But verse 14, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right, the right to the tree of life. And they may enter by the gates of the city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. I sit there and I read that and I see, oh my land, here's the line drawn in the sand. It's drawn in the sand and it said, okay, here are the insiders and here are the outsiders. Now, when I sit there and I read about the outsiders, I see myself more in the outsiders than I necessarily see myself as an insider. When I look at that and I think about, okay, have I ever been an immoral person? Yes, I have. Have I ever, have I ever murdered anybody? No, I haven't. I thought about it, but I haven't. Have I ever committed idolatry? It's a big theological word. I would have to say that there have been times that I have put things in front of God. Many times I've put things in front of God. So yes, I've practiced idolatry. Everyone who loves and practices lying. Now, we might all get real self-righteous about it for just a moment and say, you know, I don't practice lying. That's something I'm working with my children on. But somehow we, we kind of justify it in our minds that we think it's okay that we can tell white lies and, and throw our fish up or throw our food up in bed and we can somehow justify that kind of lie. And, but yet we, we can't get used to that. He says those are the people that are on the outside. I can identify more with the people on the outside than I can with the people on the inside, except for one very fact, that I've gone through this metaphoric process here that he's, he's using a metaphor of, for blessed are those who whose wash, who, those who's wash their robes so that they may have right to the tree of life. He's speaking of heaven here. He's speaking of access to heaven and, and it's nothing that I've done. In fact, everything I've done puts me in that other category on the outsider's side. But everything that Jesus did about His blood washing away my sins, that actually gives me access. That's, that's the cool part, okay? Let's keep going here. Verse 16. So now Jesus starts talking. How do I know that? It's in red. I mean, if your Bible's in red, it's got to be Jesus talking. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to these things for the churches. Now, it's very interesting the priority role that God has for the church in His grand scheme, strategy, paradigm, if you want to call it that. God actually has a very important part to play in this whole grand scheme of creation from the time that Jesus died to the time that Jesus comes back again, to the time Jesus ascended, to the time Jesus comes back again. There's a great big grand scheme, and that scheme involves the church. Because now Jesus is actually speaking to the church. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel, to testify to those things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and the morning star. So Jesus is declaring, I am God. All right, listen up. I'm the morning star. I'm the one who brings life. I'm the one who brings light to darkness. It's me, church. Here it is. Here's the message. Now, that also gives us a little elevated priority and significance in this whole grand scheme of things, right? The church is important. Just keep, keep reading with me, though. Because in verse 17, he keeps going on. 
And he says something that's very important. This is the final invitation, that final call out from God. And this is the last words that he has to say to us, really, if you look at it in the form of an exhortation. He says, the Spirit and the Bride. The Spirit. That's what we've been talking about. The Spirit is about something. And he also says the Bride is about something. Who's the Bride? The Bride is the church. He's just given this message to the church. But how do I know that the bride is the church? Well, the book of Ephesians uh, aligns up with this. There's other verses, but here's one that makes it very clear. It says, He died so that He could give the church to Himself like a bride in all her beauty. See, Jesus is the groom and the church is the bride. So now listen, again, we're leading up. Verse 17 is all we're going to deal with from this point forward. Verse 17 says, The Spirit and the bride say something. So there's something very important here. This church, Grace Point Church, and I'm not being arrogant about this, but this church fits into God's grand strategy and scheme of things. Now, this church, when aligned and filled with God's Spirit, has one very important message. This message is the last message that God gives before He closes His revelation. It's the most important message. It must be the message that runs through the current of everything that we do. It is this message. And here's that message. And I want you to underscore these words, circle these words in your Bible, if you will, because He doesn't use it one time and twice. He uses it three times. This is the message that the Spirit is saying to you and me today. This is the message of the church of Jesus Christ. This is the message that Grace Point Church is saying to this world today. Here it is. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Circle that word. And let the one who hears say, come. He says it again. And let the one who is thirsty come. He says it a third time. And let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. Now, right here, he gives us the very message that the Spirit has for all the world. He gives us the very message that the church or the bride of Christ has for all the world. It is the message of what? Come. Say it with me. Come. That's the message. Pretty simple, isn't it? Come. Come if you're thirsty. Come if you hear this. Come if you want it. Come, come, come. Now, here's the question back on the party scene. You've been invited to some parties you didn't want to go to. You haven't been invited to some parties that you did want to go to. I want to tell you today as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, as a part of the bride, as a part of the church, I have a message for you today. I have a message for you today that not only do I have for you today, but the Spirit of God has for you today. You read it yourself. And the message is this. Come. Come to the party. Come and get wet. Come and meet God. Come and let God live inside of you and let Him create this fruit, that fruity cocktail called love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and the rest of them. Let Him create this inside of you. Let Him be the guiding instrument, the, the navigator of your life. Let Him be that for you. Let Him be intoxicated with Him. That's the message that I have for you today. And my question is, am I that simple? Can we go now? That's an abbreviated message. Come. See, the problem is, is that He gives this invitation with the reality that some people aren't going to get the invitation, aren't going to hear the invitation, aren't going to respond to the invitation. Why is that? Why is that? Why is it that whenever God Almighty is looking into your life and into my life, and He's saying, listen, would you just come? Would you just come? Would you just come? 
If you'll come to me, I will put myself inside of you. What's the big deal? How do people miss it? I think there are three reasons that we miss this, this invitation of God, this calling of God. Jot them down real quickly in your notes. One invitation, or one reason, is that we didn't hear the invitation. We didn't maybe hear that invitation. Some people miss it. This is a question. Did I miss this invitation? Whenever you're standing before God someday, and He's asking you, why should I let you into my heaven? And you say, I don't have a clue. Maybe I was good. Maybe I was okay. Maybe I was a moral person. Maybe I never cheated on my wife or whatever, my husband or whatever. You know, I was a good person. Should you let me in then? God looks at you and doesn't answer you back. Why? You didn't respond to me. You didn't come to me. Not me, I'm saying Jesus. You didn't come to Jesus. If you don't come to Jesus and follow Him, then, then how is it, did you miss the invitation? Because I'm afraid some people may miss it. It says there in, in, verse, in verse 17, it says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come and let him who hears. See, are you, I want you today, in fact, you, you are going to be held accountable for this day. Listen, you're going to be held accountable for this day. Because every single one of you is hearing an invitation. If you've never heard an invitation before, you're hearing the invitation today. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, is saying to everybody in the sound of my voice and beyond it, He is saying, come. If you'll come, the problem is some people don't hear it. And the, the one thing that's very important to understand is that you don't come to Christ unless He calls you. In John chapter 6, verse 44, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. You can be here today, or you can be here any other day, and you can feel this, this pulling, this tugging, this drawing. Listen, I promise you, I don't have magical powers. It is simply the Spirit of God calling. It is simply the Spirit of God drawing you. He's saying, come. Hear this invitation and come and follow me. The problem is, is I think a lot of people don't hear this invitation. You can look at it globally and you can say they don't even have the opportunity to hear. All right? But this is not a message about missions. But there's, there are many, many millions and billions of people who have not yet even heard the name Jesus Christ. But you and I have heard that name. You and I have had that opportunity. So we're hearing this invitation. Why don't I hear God from time to time? Why don't I hear Him? Because he doesn't speak in that loud, audible voice. Let me give you two ways to be very careful so that you can hear God's voice. One is be silent and listen. Just learn to be silent and listen. God wants to speak to us. He is speaking. He's not going to be in a beeping or in a buzzing or in a ringing or an alarm sounding, anything like that. But that's what we listen to all the time. And our ears peek up, step up, and we listen in whenever the certain ringtone rings. We kind of dis- interrupt our worlds and go to, the, go to that, to that ringtone. But let me, let me just encourage you, learn to be still before God. Jim Cimbala in his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, said that the main thing God asks is for our attention. For our attention. Are we giving it to Him? Henry Nouwen said, without solitude, it's virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. Charles Swindoll said it like this, noise and crowds have a way of siphoning our energy and distracting our attention, making prayer an added chore rather than 
a comforting relief. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I'm God. I wonder if you would let the Word of God just rest on your heart today. And if we were all to just get quiet today, and I would just simply ask you this question, have you ever come to Jesus? If you cannot with all of your heart say 100% yes to that, then I say, why not? Come. He's inviting us. Let all who hear come. It's a simple invitation. The problem is we're not silent enough. There's too many other noises. In fact, immediately, some, some of you all right now in your mind, you're thinking, what's next? Where am I going? Where are we going to eat? Are we going to the lake this afternoon? What's going on in my life? Lock in. Be silent and learn to listen to God. Here's, a, here's another way that we're going to learn to listen to God is listen with your eyes. I've said this a few months back. You're going to see God at work around you. Learn to listen with your eyes. Absolutely, the number one thing outside the Bible, and I'll spend, anytime I'm making a big decision in life, I mean, I'll spend days in prayer and fasting and reading chapters and books of the Bible in absolute solitude and silence. Get aside, get alone, take off, get out of here. Get away from the noise, turn off the cell phone, turn off the radio, the iPod and everything else. The second thing I take with me is this copy of this book right here, Experiencing God. Now, again, I say this is the first book I go to, first and foremost. But every major decision that I have made in my life for the past 15 years, I've read this book at least five times. In fact, this is a brand new copy because I loaned my copy out. And I've always said, I loan them out and they never come back. And so I went and got another copy. Anytime I'm making a big decision. You know what this book says? Henry Blackaby's just, I mean, it's an awesome book. It, what it talks about is God's at work around you. God is at work around you. Look where God is working and join Him. That's, what he, he, that's one of the major phrases. Look where God is moving. Look where He is working and join Him. Get in on what He's doing. He's at work around us. But also, there's, one, there's, one, there's seven principles that he brings out in this book. The third principle says this, God invites you to become involved with him in his work. God's at work at Walmart if you work at Walmart, Tyson's if it's Tyson's, public schools if you're in the public schools, private schools if you're in the private school. Wherever you are working, God is at work. Are you seeing him at work? Because it could be that God is speaking to you right there and he's wanting you to get in on his work. Some people miss God because they simply don't hear Him. They miss the invitation. But here's, here's, here's another question, though, that we, we don't want to miss. Is, do I have the appetite to get wet? Do I have an appetite for God? You notice what he said here, there in the verse that we, that we read. He says, the Spirit and the bride say, Come, let him who hears come. Let the one who is thirsty come. See... We live in a day and age where we go through fast food and we eat chips and we eat all that other stuff and we fill up on the bad stuff before we ever get to the good stuff. I like eating dessert first. Have you ever done that? It is really good. And it's not the best thing for you, but it really tastes good. 
But it's not the best thing for you. You can do that from time to time, but it's not the best thing for you. The problem is in our life is we fill up on so many other stuff that really when it comes down, we're not hungry for God. And I'm afraid we fill up on all of this other stuff in this world that we miss God. We don't have an appetite for God anymore. There's no pleasure in sacrifice. The noise is so much around us. There's not solitude. It's not convenient to go with God. There was a man vacationing in British Columbia. A man by the name of William Falk. He was vacationing, excuse me, in the Virgin Islands. And he was a, he was a writer and he did a very good job in writing about his experience because he was vacationing on this beautiful beach looking out across the waters and he saw this island over there and thinking about all the work that he left behind and all the work that was going to be facing him ahead, thinking about his beautiful plus vacation and and the atmosphere that he was in and then he just began to write and this is what he wrote. He said, I have no real wants of anything. My life is too full. That's precisely the problem. Most Americans enjoy a higher standard of living than 99.4% of the 80 billion human beings who've ever lived. Think about that. We live at a standard of living in our culture that is 99.4 times better than any other person has ever lived. That's amazing. Yet we're not content. Our lives are characterized by too much of a good thing, excess at every turn. We're surrounded by so much food that obesity has become a national crisis and are tempted by so much entertainment and information and stuff to buy that we sleep three hours a day less than our grandparents. At times it leaves you staring at a four-mile-long island on the horizon wondering what it would be like to chunk it all. You know, there are just so much in our lives that we fill up on before we ever get to God. And God is simply saying, if you're thirsty, I can fill that need. Quit taking in the chips. Quit taking in the salsa. Quit taking in all the other junk and take me in. Let me fill you. Let me complete you. Here's a verse for us. Psalm 34, verse 8 and 10. Would you read it out loud with me? Taste and see that the Lord is good. They who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Don't take substitutes. Take authentic relationship with God Almighty. Let Him fill you. This is your invitation. This is your invitation. Don't miss the call. Don't miss the opportunity. If you're thirsty, just come. That's all he's saying. He's saying come. But here's another question that you've got to ask. You've got to ask yourself if you're going to make sure that you don't miss this opportunity. Am I willing to make him a priority and go? Let's read this verse again. He said, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let the one who hears, don't miss the invitation, you're hearing it today, Come, and let the one who's thirsty, are you full? Are you satisfied with your dessert first? Do you really miss the substance of life? 
He says, come. Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. That's beautiful. Jesus Christ is offering us, the Holy Spirit is calling us to, the water of life that's with, without cost, that will never ever leave you thirsty again, that will complete your life. The problem is, is do you wish to take it? And all that it comes down to is priorities. Is it a priority in my life that I'm willing now to follow Jesus? See, the one thing about God, as much as He's God and He can do whatever He wants, He can speak the world into existence, He can do all of that kind of stuff. This thing about God, God is not going to force Himself on you. You're going to have to be willing to come. He said that. Come. 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 The invitation is there. See, God does something where He initiates. That's one of the points of Blackaby. He says God's initiating a relationship with us. He's initiating us by calling us into His plan. Now listen, listen. He's initiating an invitation to come and follow Him, to come be filled with Him. He's initiating this Now, what's our response? Just like getting that invitation in the mail. Are you going to go or are you not going to go? You're getting an invitation from God. Are you going to accept it or not? Do you want Him or not? Do you just want religion or do you want to kind of get close to Him but you don't want Him to be in you? Do you want to kind of get close to Him but you don't want Him to control you? What is it? You have to think about your own life. The last message of Scripture is calling us to come. God initiates we respond. You see that throughout Scripture, when, when God called His disciples, His early disciples, He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And what they do? They immediately left their nets. God initiated, they responded. Here's a famous part of the famous verse in all of the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says it like this. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, notice this, God's initiating, He's knocking. Are we going to open the door? I will come in and eat with Him and and, and He with me. God is initiating. Are we going to respond? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says it like this. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. Verse 4 picks it up. He says, But God, who's being rich in mercy, loves us, made us alive, raised us up, seated us with Him. We were dead. God initiated it by bringing us back to life. We walk with Him. We live with Him. We're filled with Him. If you ever relate, He initiates. We respond. Revelation 3.17 Come, but the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost, but you've got to come. Don't miss the invitation today. Did you hear the message? Do you have an appetite? Are you willing to make God the priority of your life? You see, the Bible also says in Genesis that God's Spirit will not always strive with man. I mean, there's, there's, there's a window of opportunity that He's going to knock. And there won't be any more knocking. I had a friend of mine in school growing up that was in a very intense relationship. And uh, it was serious. And he was ready to get married, but she wasn't. This wasn't just a one-time event. This was like an ongoing thing. This was like years. He was ready, she wasn't. He was ready, she wasn't. He would drop the hint. She would kind of turn the back, you know, that cold shoulder. Don't ask me, don't ask me. I don't want to have to say no. 
kind of thing. I don't know that he ever actually proposed, but it was very clear that the door was not open. He would initiate, he would initiate, initiate. Years go by, we separate, we go our different ways, enter into our own lives. and You know, if you're in that college graduation years and all your friends are getting married, then the next phase is all your friends are having babies. Well, we were still in the all your friends are getting married stage. And so we're at this church in another town and, and, and this friend shows up. The friend, the, the girl, shows up. And she comes up to me and she says, Can you believe so-and-so? He left me. Or we broke up and he's married. And she was just flabbergasted over the whole thing. Which was kind of funny in my spirit because I'm laughing. How many opportunities did you have before he went on? Now, the great news is both of them are happily married and they're on in their own lives. But it was funny in that moment to think about how many invitations, how many times did he knock, how many times did he try, how many times, how many times. And see, the issue is today is God is extending to you today an invitation to come, to take the water of life, to take it freely. If you hear it, if you have an appetite for it, Him, if you have an appetite for Him, you come. If you're willing to come, He'll come into you. And the Spirit of God will live in you for the rest of your life and into eternity. You'll be with Him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You for the beauty, the mystery, the stuff I don't even understand. Even if I had all of, all of time to study Your Holy Spirit, Lord, I, I don't think I could ever grasp Him fully. Thank You for wanting to enter into a relationship with us that You literally call us, invite us to Your party. Invite us to a relationship with You. That if we hear and we, we hunger and we thirst for that relationship, if, if, if we will be willing to come to You, Lord, You will give us freely. Lord, help us not to miss the invitation today to just enter into a relationship with You. Lord, there are many people in this room today who are so busy with life, they have lost their appetite for You. Oh, You came into their life years ago, but Lord, they're, they're full of so many other things. Career dreams and aspirations and, and junk food, Lord, even. Stuff and material and time commitments. that Lord, they're missing You. Father, I would pray that Nothing would distract us from hearing Your simple, quiet voice that says, Come. Lord, we bless You and we thank You for these moments together. In Jesus' name, Amen.